And he went on to say to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your neighbors or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and they will be blessed since they and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you, Adam. Great job. Welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at Redemption North Mountain. Like Ali said, if it's your first time, I'd love to meet you. We want to welcome you. It is a good family feel, so hopefully you've already felt loved and welcomed by people here. Uh, we are a church, and we are uh, gathering on this Sunday, and we have uh, lots of things on our mind. One of those, uh, if you've watched any bit of news or done any sort of online meandering, is the war in Ukraine currently. And I'm not that smart to come up with a great prayer of what we need to lift up to the Lord, but I am smart enough to know uh, I can't control much of anything, we can't control much of anything, and that's a paralyzing truth unless you're of the people of God, because that's how the people of God are supposed to live their whole life, knowing and thinking and believing that you really don't have the power to do anything unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Spirit shows up, we bring nothing to the table. So I want to just give us a little space to kind of be quiet and just silently pray to God whatever comes to your mind as you think about the war in Ukraine and just the state of uh, the world right now. And then at the end, I'm going to pray uh, a prayer over us and for Ukraine. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's do something maybe we haven't done all week, but spend a little time in silence in prayer. Father, I pray for me and us that even this moment in silence would remind us that strength is not found where the world finds strength in armies and money and resources, but it's found uh, in you graciously giving it to us who ask for it. So God, as we pray this morning, we're aware of all that's going on, specifically in Ukraine with uh, war, with uh, None of us having the answer as to what is the, the thing to fix this other than we pray. So you're the father of peace and justice. We ask that you bring peace and justice to Ukraine. God, there's a lot of people in fear there, so we pray that your spirit would remove the spirit of fear and bring courage and power and sound mind to those who need it. God, for the families that are now uh, separated, I pray that you would bring the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, for the children scared and facing a reality none of us uh, can relate to, I pray that you would bring comfort 
as the father of comfort. God, for the leaders and those making decisions that are affecting lots of people, I pray that you would bring humility and wisdom and the ability to listen to the voice of God in this season. God, all this we pray. We pray expectant prayers because we know you love to answer the prayers of your people. God, be with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Be with the churches that have met this Sunday morning already despite all that's going on. I pray that you would bring a resolve to the church there, a refocused sense of mission as uh, eternity is more pressed upon them in the season of war. I pray that the church would stand out as the city on a hill and that people would come and find truth and comfort with your people there. God, we lift this all up to you. We ask that you answer these prayers and that you be with uh, those who are in Ukraine right now. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, we're, like uh, Ali said, it's going to be a little different normally. So if you've been a part of Redemption Church, either here or another congregation, we're sort of uh, very repetitive, which is a good thing for the people of God because we're a forgetful bunch. We come and we worship together. We sing. All of life is worship, but singing is a particular way to worship. And then we open up the Bible and we teach what's in the Bible, usually in a book, and we just keep turning the next page until we finish that book. So currently, we're in the Gospel of John. We're taking a break just for this Sunday to talk about this ministry opportunity. But we're going to finish up John on Palm Sunday. If you're a church person, you grew up in church tradition. My wife loved it when the pastor would come down the aisle on a donkey. She is waiting for the day for me to do that on Palm Sunday with palms being (laughs) waved towards me. So Palm Sunday, we wrap up John. I'll come down on a donkey. I will preach the last message in John. Next week will be Easter. We'll come back after Easter. I'll open up the book of Colossians. There's no great animals in that one, so I'll just teach it as normal, and we'll have some other people come in. We'll close out Colossians, then we'll turn back, and we'll open up First and Second Samuel and look at the kings of Israel back in the day. That's normally how we do it. Today is different. We have a ministry opportunity that I want to talk about. We mentioned it last week, so we did this M25 challenge. My family did it. My kids loved it, which was funny because it's like, I'm supposed to remind you that you have a much better life than you deserve, but every time we did a new challenge, Ozzy, He's like, yeah, only water, yeah, sleep on the floor, let's go, yeah, I love it. But it's meant to prepare us for this moment, this Sunday here, the chosen Sunday. M25 is this passage which we'll spend some time in where Jesus talks about giving to the least of these. And the M25 challenge was meant to sort of prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to get in this mindset of what's it like to go without? What's it like for most people in the world? Ukraine now is on our mind, and it's going to be a place where those people have far less than we have, and they're in a far harder situation than we're in. How do we kind of, without being cheesy or goofy or gimmicky, kind of put ourselves in the shoes and the lives of others? The M25 Challenge was meant to do that. And now we land here, and we're going to talk about what we want to do, how we're actually going to partner with this ministry. So I have a few things I want to do. I'm just going to answer a few basic questions. What, what is it we're doing? Kind of what's the ministry behind all this? Why are we doing this as a church? And then how are we going to do this? And then I'm going to pray and we're going to have the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And we're going to go on our Sunday. So that's what I have planned for us today. So here's the first question. What is this ministry we're partnering with? What is World Vision? Some of you have been a part of this. Compassion International is a similar ministry. It's ministry that's meant to go to the poorest parts of the world and serve and benefit them and bless them. World Vision, just I got stole this off their website. They've been around since the 50s. It's a guy named, what was his name? Bob Pierce started this. It, 
the story goes with $5 in his pocket and wanting to feed a hungry person. How am I going to multiply this $5 as I look out and see many, many hungry people? He started this world vision in the 1950s, Bob Pierce. And those of you with like big dreams in life, either in ministry or vocationally, whatever it is, Bob Pierce is also a good uh, case study of the tension of having a family and wanting to do big things with your life. And something has to give. And sadly, the story of Bob Pierce is a lot of times his family was the one that went without. As he pressed into these things that are important, feeding the poor and going towards the, uh, the lost and confused and those in these under-resourced communities, he went after them. And he started this. And now that we have this wonderful ministry, World Vision, started in the 50s. In the 70s, he pressed into Vietnam and all these refugees. And he went right to the heart of this refugee crisis, and he really served there. Fast forward to the 80s, he went to Ethiopia. There was this famine across the land. Just like the Old Testament, you read the story of Joseph. There was a famine for seven years in Egypt. Ethiopia was going through that. And they went in and resourced them and spent time there. The way they say it, they were the first one in, last one out. They were in there to help, and they helped build this sustainable system where now the famine was taken care of, and they had water where water needed to go, and all these resources. Fast forward to the 90s. They were pressing into the AIDS crisis. So I was alive in the 90s, but I was a kid. I wasn't paying attention to life. The AIDS crisis is spiking, and in Christianity, it's sort of controversial because politically, it's this charged thing. We've had a pandemic before where it's politically charged. That also happened in the 90s with AIDS. And Christians were sort of like figuring out how to step into it. And World Vision stepped into it in the heart of where AIDS was kicking off and the pandemic was beginning. 2000s, Asia had tsunami, lots of issues. They stepped in there. They offered short-term recovery and long-term sort of care and support there. And the fast forward today, which is where we're at, they are now in 100 countries serving 3.5 million children and all that's more than I'll ever do with my life that is impressive they're across the globe all these different countries serving trying to provide care like immediate care but more importantly sustainable long-term sort of commitment to a community to kind of have the resources necessary to be self-sustaining who are they on their website if you ask them who they are they say we are a Christian organization working to help communities lift themselves out of poverty for good so not everyone we partner is going to be explicitly Christian. I don't think that's a re- requirement for us to partner with people, but it's always interesting when someone says we are a Christian organization, they hold fast to the Christian belief that we would say. So they are a Christian in name. They're explicitly Christian. But what are they doing? They're trying to get to these communities and help them lift them out of poverty for good, not just temporary, but long-term. That's what they're trying to do. So World Vision is a ministry that's been around longer than I've been alive. They've been doing great work. If you go on their website, they're the one of the most transparent and clear ministries I've ever gone to look at. Like as far as how they spend their money, how they do their work, it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. Specifically though, we're not just partnering with World Vision in general. We're partnering with this ministry program they now have called Chosen. So what is Chosen? And I don't for some reason, and some of you have like partnered with poor parts of the world and you've maybe adopted or sponsored a kid. My family has never done that. I didn't do it growing up. I haven't done it yet with my kids. I don't know why. It's never been presented to me. So this is our first go-round in this world. But it's sort of child partnership, child sponsorship, but flipped on its head. 
So before, we would go leave this, I'd do a pitch, and hopefully I wasn't cheesy or gimmicky. My wife would be like, you better not be a guilt-dropping person up there. I will not. But we'd say, we have this need. And then we'd go into the lobby, and there'd be pictures of kids everywhere. And you get to adopt a kid, and then go put it on your fridge, and you pay monthly, and you support them. A few years ago, I love this because they're always sort of rethinking. They didn't, like, build the train and then just say, oh, we're good. They're always rethinking. They said, something's missing in our model. So as far as what we do in the community, we like what we're doing. We get there on the ground. We work towards sustainability and good practices and clean water and food and resources and financial stability. But there's one piece that's missing always. And it's like the kid just gets brought along for the ride without any sort of say. It's like me being a parent. My kids get little say in what we're doing. Why? Because I'm the dad. I'm in charge. But as World Vision thought and prayed, we're trying to bring ownership and dignity to these places we're not just trying to drop resources from up on high down to this place we want this community to flourish one of the things they noticed that was missing was the fact that the children never had to say a voice their picture was taken their picture was sent off somebody adopted or sponsored them and there's nothing inherently wrong with that but they thought is there another way to do this is there a way to actually let the children have a voice. Because part of poverty, part of like the long-term uh, reason poverty never goes away is there's never a point where people have choices on their own. They never have the dignity to make choices to sort of improve their life. They receive stuff, but they want to empower the kids. So this is going to be a time where we're going to be the ones that get chosen by people in this community in Ethiopia. Shishenga, I'll talk about in a little bit. But it's a child sponsorship flipped on its head. I love what they're thinking through. And I love just the fact that they, what they care about is the dignity of the child. They want food and resources and money and all that. But they want children to be dignified and seen as image bearers just like you and I. So that's what they're trying to do. Now, specifically, Chosen is this ministry program. They have, what are we doing here at Redemption North Mountain? So just so you know, this wasn't my idea. I have some good ideas in my life, but this wasn't what it was brought to me by another church in the area. I want to show you a picture. You guys love Zoom pictures. You just, there's me at the bottom left driving to a work meeting because we're having a meeting with uh, top right. That's the gal in, on the ground in Ethiopia who's going to be the connect person. But five churches. So if you know these churches, great. If not, they're all great churches. Desert Springs Bible Church, Tatum and Bell, they're great. Their lead pastor, Caleb, is the ugly guy on the top right. Red Beard, Desert City Church, which is a church that's been around, but it just merged with another church at 40th Street and Greenway. Jared Doe is the pastor there, has been for a while. Great church. Arcadia City Church, which is in Arcadia, which is a partner church to them. Heritage Church, which is over at PV Mall. Very sweet leadership team over there. And then Redemption North Mountain. So one of the staff people thought, you know what? What if we did this, but what if we did it together? Just to show a picture of what the kingdom of God is like, but also practically, we're all kind of small to medium-sized churches. They're like, what if we pooled our resources, and not one of us got the credit, but we just blessed this community together? Wouldn't that be better than us trying to do ministry by ourselves? So they brought this idea. This was maybe six months ago, and I've been offered many things to like be a part of in ministry, and this just felt like, okay, I want to be a part of this. Because just so you know, full disclosure, with the church plant, we're still trying to get on our own feet. We're not like killing it in every possible way. Like redemption still sees us as a church plant. 
But in this season of us kind of becoming our own church, I also want to, what's our ministry partners going to be long term? And I don't know the answer to that. Hopefully this births some stuff where we can be partners for a long time with this community out there. But I wanted to say yes because I love these churches and I want to just say yes to ministry that I think matters. So what exactly is this? It's a sponsorship for kids. Like I said, flipped on its head. It's $39 a month. It's a community in Ethiopia called Shisheng. I'll just show you those of you who are not Ethiopian experts like I am not. It's right in the center of Ethiopia, a real poor area. Above that little red dot, just so you know, Ethiopia, like Ukraine, has been dealing with war, but they've been dealing with it for a long time. There's this brutal civil war going on up north. So normally what would happen in a non-war time, non-COVID time, is we would preach our message, and then Sunday afternoon, the leadership team from the church, whoever was a part of that, would fly to this community. So all these churches were supposed to fly to this community and just be a part, with, be a part of their lives for this next upcoming week, and then fly back next Sunday and tell you about our new friends we made over in this new community. So that is off the table. So it's all going to be done through Zoom, unfortunately. But this community there in the center of Ethiopia is who we're going to partner with. So just so you know, again, with World Vision, I've been super impressed with them. Even what they talk about when they talk about ministry there, they have been doing ministry there for seven years already. They have four stages of like, this is what we want to do. The first is plan, and then establish, and then empower, and then graduate. They're only in the second phase, so they have planned, and now they're in the process of establishing systems leaders in places so that that community is fully sustainable and flourishing as God would want it to be. Seven years of work and they're only on phase two. That's how the kingdom of God, Jesus says, what's the kingdom of God? It's like this mustard seed. Like as much as I want to be a part of big, wonderful, explosive-like things, like the reality is we're joining in on a ministry that's been at it for seven years. A lot of people on the ground and we're going to One of my old pastors used to talk about battling the kingdom of darkness is like this forest fire, and we all have these tiny little squirt guns, and we we make no impact. Trying to push into the kingdom of God and do what God wants us to do often feels like there's way more work to be done, and I get it. But there's also beauty in knowing this is not all on us. And the spirit of God is alive and active long before any of us show up in any place we decide to serve and minister to. And the spirit of God is alive and well, and it's been working there for a while now. If you want to, you can look at their website. Uh, a lot of people want to know, kind of, but financially, they're just very clear. So for every dollar given, so if you're going to give $39 a month, every dollar given, 65 cents goes to the community on the ground. 35 cents gets placed into these global funds where they invest and try to have a return on. And according to all their transparent documents and the financial records, they, for every dollar, they actually end up making, returning $1.60 so that they can have more to invest in the communities they're investing in. So that's interesting because that's different than a redemption system. So like redemption in a church, you can give your stocks to us. So feel free. I'm here after the service. But what redemption does, which is not right or wrong, it's just our chosen philosophy, is we don't want to be in the investment world. So we'll sell those stocks and then put it into ministry right away because we don't want to play in that world. They want to put it right to the work immediately and then also take some money and invest and get a return on, which is just beautiful because Jesus has some parables about, hey, did you get a return on the investment I gave you with what I gave you in this life? And they are doing it. They are doing a great job. 
So, why are we doing this? I love the partners of the churches we're doing it with. I love this idea. I would love to go to this community soon, hopefully next year. But why are we doing this? I want to look at two passages and just remind us of why I think this is a good idea. So the first one is not what we read, but flip over if you have your Bibles or your Bible app. Go to Matthew 25. Because those of you who signed up for this challenge this past week, it was a Matthew 25 challenge, which is taken straight from this passage here. Why, Redemption North Mountain, are we doing this? So Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. Just put your finger there in the Bible or get there on your Bible app. So I've met quite a few new people today. Just to re- so here's why Redemption Church exists. Every church feels like God wants them to exist. That's why they're here. But every church gets to sort of flavor that and frame that whatever way they think is their unique contribution to earth in their day and age. Here's what redemption is all about. Redemption Church exists to birth and strengthen healthy local congregations. So Redemption Church, all 10 congregations, we are about birthing, starting, that's us, we're a year old, and strengthening healthy churches. We're about health. And if you drill down and say, well, what's North Mountain about? What's Redemption Tempe? What's Redemption Arcadia? What's Redemption Alhambra about? Each church then exists to birth and strengthen healthy disciples. So when you're at redemption, what goes in behind the scenes in our prayer time, in our stewardship of money, we want healthy churches and we want healthy disciples. Why do I say all that? Because anything I'm about to say as to why we're going to join in on any ministry should find its origin back in that statement. We want health, healthy discipleship, healthy churches. Like even as I think about doing a missions outreach thing in Africa, I don't have stats to back this up. I just have lots of empirical data from conversations with people. Missions people, missions people in churches, missions people in parachurch tend to be those that burn out quick and hard. Why? Because it's hard work and it's never ending. One of the pastors at Tempe came from Portland and he made a start uh, in the missions world. So he's a pastor of a pretty important church there in Portland and he was the missions guy. So this was about 10 years ago he started. And I was just talking with him last week. And he says, it's interesting, looking back, all my friends that we started in this missions world together, they're all burning out, except for me and a few others. He said, I think part of my saving grace is being a part of a church that's about health more than just what's the next thing we can tackle and go after. So as we think about giving to this, giving to other stuff, pouring ourselves out for mission, which is the most important thing on this earth, what are we going to do? How are we going to get healthy? Here's what I want to see in this passage. A healthy church gives, but a healthy church also receives because it's needy. So the first one is a healthy church is a giving church. So let's read this together. It's in red. It's the words of Jesus. It's getting close to the end in this gospel of Matthew. He's making some final statements about life and all that's important. Verse 31, Matthew 25, Jesus says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So he's talking about the end of all things, when heaven and earth come together once and for all. But what's going to preclude that? What's going to happen? Verse 32, before him will be gathered all the nations, America, Ukraine, Mexico, Latvia, 
And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will look and say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41, the king looks to the left, turns his attention to the other side. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into internal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Just, I said this last week, I don't remember what service, but when I read through the Bible and I journal, this passage always stops me. Because it is so intense. Jesus has the most gracious, welcoming, soft language oftentimes with people. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me. I offer forgiveness. He stretches out his hand. I want to welcome you into my family. And then he says stuff like this where everyone who hears these words has to stop and go, whoa. Because as a church that believes it's our job to teach the scriptures as they come to us, teach the full gospel of what God has done in the person of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. That's the most important truth any of us will ever believe, that Jesus is who he says he is, that we must believe in the gospel to receive eternal life and forgiveness of sins. This passage does not talk about what we believe at all. And it's the words of Jesus saying, how did you live your life? Did you go to the least of these and give to them what they needed? So a healthy church must do business with these words, and we want to give. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. Giving to this chosen initiative, to World Vision, you will fulfill this reality. That's not at all what I'm saying. Churches get in trouble. Leaders get in trouble. God says not many of you should be teachers because you're going to screw it up. However, this reality is what the kingdom of God is like and what it demands, that we give to those in need. So we want to be a church that gives and gives and gives and gives. But we could stop there and I think be an unhealthy church. It's more than just giving our resources to those who don't have as much as us. A healthy church is more than just sort of a bank passing out money where money is needed. A church is a family. A church is representing the kingdom of God here on earth. It's a foretaste. It's a picture of the new heavens and the new earth when every tribe, tongue, nation will be represented before the throne of God, worshiping him and enjoying each other in fellowship. 
So more than just giving to those in need, that is important, and that's what we're signing up to do today. I want this time where we think about and set our gaze towards Ethiopia, which we don't think about. I want to think about what is the kingdom of God according to God. It's all sort of people coming by grace. It's not just those who have giving to those who have not. So Josh Prather is our missions pastor for all redemption. He preached here a few months ago, if you remember. I think his title is Pastor of Pioneering, something awesome. But he's a very interesting guy, and he lives in the space in the city where the church and the community are bumping up. How can the church be in the community in healthy, life-giving ways? What's the church's posture and job in the city? And he made this observation and sort of this working thesis. He's been taking notes of in his head, and now he's kind of landed He's been doing this job for over 10 years now. And he said, here was my hope all along, is that churches would go towards the least of these. They would go towards the stranger, the naked, the whoever that you read scripture and go towards. They would be with strangers. And this was Josh's hope, that those strangers would then become friends with the people of the church. More than that, though, they would then get to this point where the stranger, those without, the poor, the needy, the destitute, those in prison would become family with the church. So very practically, that means Redemption North Mountain. Like whatever this vibe is of people, he would hope that we'd go out and do ministry with people different than us and they'd become strangers. Or they'd come from strangers to friends and then they would feel like family and then we'd throw a party. That is the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And Prather said that didn't happen. Didn't happen to Redemption. He hasn't seen it happen much. And he's just one guy. We could say, what's he know? Missions pastors are always weird. But he has a simple observation as to think why he thinks that's not even possible to happen, given a mindset. He says, unless the church that has, the church with resources, the church with money, and just by all early indication, Redemption Church North Mountain is going to be a good, healthy, long-lasting, generous church. So we are a church that has. We have people, we have resources, we have. Unless that church, that individual, that family comes to those without saying this in their head, I need them as much as they need me. This little transition from stranger to friend to family will not happen. So as we start to give to Ethiopian people that hopefully I get to meet next year, like the hope is not, we've given, we've given. Matthew 25, we did it. Our hope is still, we want to be in community, in family, relationship with those far different than us. Because that's how the kingdom of God works. Flip over to Luke, the one we read. This is where I get this from. This is a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. It's a subtle sort of juke on Jesus' part. Luke 14, Adam read it for us. Verse 12 through 14. We want to be a church that gives, but we also want to be a church that needs and tells ourselves that we need. We need other people. We need people with less than us in our lives. Why? Because this passage right here gives a picture. Verse 12 says this. He said also to the man who invited him. Pause right there. So Bible study skills. Who's being talked about? Let's just rewind till we find it. So for Chapter 14, Genesis, give me amen, so I am on the right page. 14, verse 1. Who's being talked about? One Sabbath, 
when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. Pause right there. So Jesus gets invited to a party by a ruler of the Pharisees, a religious leader. So somebody who knows their Torah, their word. And someone who also knows enough to know that Jesus is something special and he invites Jesus in. So this is what's fascinating. This is us as a church. We love the Bible. We love it. We want this to be preached And we love Jesus and we invite Jesus to be a part of our church. We want Jesus and the Bible in our church. And Jesus himself is talking to somebody who has the Bible and Jesus. And Jesus is going to point out, just so you know, you still are missing something. Your life could be more full. You could be participating in something far greater than this. Even though you have the Bible, the Torah, and me, the Messiah here. What does he say? He gives image here. What do he say to this guy? When you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Matthew 25 is true. We want to give. We want to participate in the kingdom by giving to the least of these. But Luke 14 is true too. And Jesus is telling church people, you could have the word and you could have Jesus, but you could have more. The word he gives in verse 12 is when you give a dinner or a banquet. He's saying when you give a dinner, when you gather, don't just gather translation with those that you want to be around already. Those on your same economic level, those who think like you, those politically the same as you. Don't just gather with those where you'll be repaid in the moment because you're enjoying it because you're already like those people. Fast forward to verse 13. But when you give a feast, word changes, dinner to a feast. How do you go from dinner to a feast in the kingdom of God? You invite the poor, the crippled, the lame. The blind. Translation, if you want to participate in a feast, you need to be with those that you think you don't need and I think I don't need. We'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just for sure, but we'll be repaid in the moment with a feast. That's amazing. And it's not how anyone naturally thinks, which is why it's in the word. God knows we don't think this way naturally. So as we sign up to give to this, just know, I want to give and I want to be generous. Personally, I'm not naturally generous. I don't flinch towards, how can I give away this money that took me so long to earn? But I want to give away more. But I also want to be around people that I don't naturally gravitate towards. Especially those that don't have anything to give me on the surface. Why? Because Jesus says, then you'll be in a feast. You won't be just at some macaroni cheese dinner. You'll be at a feast. So that's my hope as we think about being a healthy church. I want to give. I want you to think about giving to this that Allie so eloquently described for us, this card here thing. Uh, But I don't want to do it without realizing that we have a long way to go in participating in a feast. I want more people at the table who are far different than us. But just so you know, here's how we're going to participate in this thing here. It's very simple. My wife and I and kids have already signed up for it. So next slide. That's what this thing's doing here, is you just text RNM, that's Redemption Road Mountain, to that 56170 number. You're going to put in your info with a picture of you, whoever you want to be a part of this. If you have a family, your family. We have a photo booth outside. Heather will be manning that so she can help you. And then next week, we'll get the reveal week where we get to see who chose us, what kid was given the dignity to make a choice of partnering with these people that he or she may never meet. That'll happen 
next week. So that's how. Just so you know, there's no guilt trips. There's no list where it's going to be like, all right, who didn't do this? Who's making the phone call to Chad Barnett? Someone get on that guy. We're not. If God has placed this on your heart, if you want to be a part of this, this is one way to live out Matthew 25. But it's a cool way because we're doing with other churches. But it's not the end of the kingdom of God. We also want to be a church that continually invites others in to the feast. Because the only reason any of us are at the feast is because by grace, Jesus came towards us, sat us down at his table with him, now and forever. So make sure you do that. Go to the next page. If you try to find a picture as good as this, that's, we got it there. Look at that. So, such a good looking family there. So hopefully some kid looks at that and thinks, you know what, I'll, I'll go with those folks right there. So. But yeah, thanks for, again, like I said, next week we'll be back in John. But uh, think about it. This is the card you have until 7 p.m. tonight, and then it closes because next week the village is going to be partaking in this Wednesday. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you for opportunities to participate in what you're already doing. Thank you for the reminder that you are already at work with or without us involved, with our time, with our money, with our mental energy. God, thank you for the freedom you offer that we don't have to do it all, that we can't do it all, that we just have to be faithful with what you've placed before us. So God, we want to be faithful as a church as we get the set culture here and set trajectory. We want to be a church that gives to the least of these. We don't want to be guilted into this. We want to love into this. We want to see needs and go towards those and feed and clothe and give drinks. But God, even bigger than that is we want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to enjoy your kingdom to the fullest. And part of that is realizing that the feast comes as those far different than us enter. So God, help us be a church that is honest with where we're at, that is teachable enough to know that we've got a long way to go. And God is courageous enough to take the steps to get to where you want us to be, to more faithfully and accurately display and reflect your kingdom. So God, thanks for a chance just to pause and look at this part of the world that is not on my radar much. Look at needs that are not needs in my own home and to step out and serve and love. God, be with us as we continue to worship you in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray.